Good morning, Saints. Here we are. It is nine o'clock. I'm going to give you a couple of uh, moments just to get ready. Maybe if you're there already, you can um, just get your Bible and turn to Psalm 8. Um, we just want to have a look at a couple of things there in Psalm 8. But good morning, everybody. Um, trusting you all well. So we're going to just give you a couple of moments um, to get ready. So just continuing to keep myself busy. At the same time, resting a lot. Um, which is fantastic and uh, so thank you for all those who have messaged passed on message thank you for those who are messaging each other encouraging each other really really appreciate it <clears throat> Chriselda thank you very much for joining us really appreciate it bless you bless you both yeah we're just going to give a couple of moments for other people to sign on just get your bibles ready if you would like to <clears throat> or if you're using your device but we're probably using it to watch this but psalm 8 i want to look at psalm 8 and then just uh, go into the word then a little bit uh, this morning um yeah it's uh, the day we remember is palm sunday uh, it's the week leading up to uh, the crucifixion of jesus the week leading up to passover the pesach um yeah remembering the deliverance from egypt so many other things astrid Ah, good to have you guys joining and signing on. <clears throat> if you ask Ken to send me your email address, I'll email you that pudding recipe, the ginger pudding recipe. Okay, but then you have to make me a dish. Bless you. Bless you, bless you. So just giving a couple more moments for others to um, connect and uh, sign on. Stefan, thank you. Thank you for watching. Really bless you, Stefan. <clears throat> So if you can get um, your Bibles ready, Psalm 8, we will start having a look at um, Psalm 8. Such a powerful, powerful psalm. And I can never talk about Easter, the Easter message, um, nor um, can I. Thank you. Others are joining us now. Tola, good to see my brother. Blessings, blessings to you. <clears throat> All right, Psalm 8. Hey, cat. So good to see you online. Yeah, been missing you, thinking about you. Actually, I was going to message you and just see how you're doing, but thank you so much for watching. Cat, bless you. <clears throat> People are still connecting, so we'll give it about a minute and then we're going to start. Hey, Pastor Tony, Kingdom Power, Ecclesia Church. So good to have you watching. Franklin Livingston, thank you. Bless you, brother. Awesome. So maybe we should start. I don't want to take uh, too long in waiting for others to connect. They can maybe watch it once it's posted. If you're watching in a different time zone, thank you also for watching. Um, <clears throat> I know Stefan and Romy, you're probably watching, but it's a different time. John Lawrence, Australia as well. Bless you guys. Yeah, really awesome. But we're coming up to such an amazing time. Hey, Trace, my cousin, Bev's cousin. Bless you, Tracy. Good to have you with us over here. All right, so Psalm 8. I want you to have a look at Psalm 8. In the traditional churches, um, you know, there would be a whole prelude to the Easter weekend. And of course, us in the charismatic Pentecostal churches haven't been that good at following some kind of a, a, a program, a preaching program, and which is also okay. But um, so in other words, it would be the season of Lent uh, building up. Um, to, to Easter and in the traditional churches I think that's something like seven weeks or something like that um, it's quite a long period of time and um, 
um, a little while ago, they would have celebrated Ash Wednesday. Now, Ash Wednesday is, um, is, is basically the keeping the palm branches of the year before, the, the day that we celebrate today, Palm Sunday. They keep those branches and then they burn them and they use some of the ash and they put the ash on themselves um, to just symbolize their humility, their repentance, their penitence um, and, and cleansing of sin. And there's, there's a whole lot of other things that are um, associated with it as well. Bless you, Marie. Thank you for watching. Bless you, brother, from um, India. Thank you for watching. So, so Ash Wednesday. And uh, so today we're remembering Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday is the entrance of Jesus into Jerusalem and more um, succinctly into the, uh, to the temple area. And people were putting down the palm branches and shouting Hosanna uh, to the one who comes in the name of the Lord and, and other things. So, so this is the time that, that we remember. And uh, if you would like to as well, I'll just give you an outline of what Jesus week looked like leading up to the Easter Friday, to the day that he was crucified. Hey, Bianca, good to see you, my girl. Bianca, my daughter-in-law, welcome. And so, yeah, and so that that whole thing, that program was amazing. So Psalm 8, here we go. So Psalm 8. Psalm 8 says this, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens. And I was just researching that just before you came online or before I came online and and basically what I saw was this, that that word set means the glory that he has given. And the psalmist's desire was that that glory that was given would be praised to the highest of heavens. And so that glory, um, you know, it says one, one place in Isaiah that he will not share his glory with another. But in John chapter 17, he says, Father, I've given them your glory that they may be one with you even as I am one with you and so the the glory that he was giving and the glory that was shared here which David would like to be praised above the heavens was the fact that he gave his own nature his own character to men to people um, to you and to I who are believers and he says this in verse 2 out of the mouths of babes and sucklings thou hast ordained strength because of thine enemies that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. When I consider thy heavens, the works of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visit him? And so the two verses that I want to really um, emphasize is, first of all, out of the mouths of babes, verse 2, and sucklings thou hast ordained strength or praise because of your enemies. And then this one over here, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that thou visitest him? Now, the fact of the matter is this, is that God is mindful of mankind. God is mindful of us. And when he talks about his creation, which he, he does now, um, the center of, of all of that is the fact that um, it is man. Man is at the center of his attention and his mind is full of thoughts towards us. That means God's mind is full of positive thoughts towards you. It's like Jeremiah says, I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. So then he says this about this man of which he is so mindful. He says, thou hast made him a little lower than the angels. And if you look between there and Hebrews chapter 2, you will see that it's not actually angels. You will see that you have made him, made him a little lower than God. And so we are not lower than angels. Jesus was made lower than angels for a while, but then he was set above, you know, as Lord of glory. And man was set beneath God. So he, we were just a little bit lower than God. That's what God thinks of you and I. He has made us to be 
like himself. For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels and hast crowned him with glory and with honor. Thou hast made him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet. And I mean, I think that's such a beautiful thing to bear in mind now that we set above everything and all things are set beneath our feet. And especially um, at this time when we're in lockdown and we're facing a pandemic, uh, even this coronavirus is under our feet. All sheep and oxen, yea, and the beasts of the field, the fowl of the air, the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passeth through the paths of the seas. O Lord, he finishes with the same. Our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all of the earth. And so when we come to Palm Sunday, the day we remember the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem, um, Jesus was now going covert. I mean, you know, he was, he was no more covert. He was going overt. He was not trying to hide the fact. Now he was wanting to reveal the fact. Remember earlier, I think it is in John chapter 6, um, when he fed the multitudes, the people came and uh, were so impressed with this great miracle, uh, something that was... Um, you know, only paralleled by Moses, the miracle of the manna, that they wanted to make Jesus king publicly by force. They wanted to crown him a king right there, the Messiah that was coming to deliver, that they'd been waiting for for so many um, decades. And Jesus withdrew because it wasn't the time, number one, it wasn't the way that he was supposed to be king, but now he comes. Now it's really interesting that there are very few events of Jesus' life that are mentioned by all four of the gospel writers, but this is one of those events that um, is mentioned by all four of the gospel writers. So just very quickly, um, when we come on to it, I want to just uh, give you an overview in a short while. But for me, um, as we're coming to Palm Sunday, it's really um, exciting to see uh, the, all of the prophecies that's starting to come together. Everything is coming to an head. Everything is coming to a fulfillment. And, you know, all the law, all the prophets pointed towards Jesus. That's why Jesus said, even John himself, you know, um, prophesied uh, up, up to, to Jesus coming. And he said about the law and the prophets. In other words, the entire Old Testament said, Jesus said, he prophesied until the time of John. There's no prophecy um, in the Old Testament that goes beyond the time of Jesus because he is the one that comes. And uh, Hebrews chapter 1 says, In the last days God has spoken to us by his Son. Previously he spoke to us in many and various ways through our fathers and the, through the prophets. But now he has spoken to us by the Son. So Jesus is the final word. It's really interesting, but in the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew um, notes very, very specifically um, and it was fulfilled, and it was fulfilled, and it was fulfilled, to fulfill. And, and he realized that as Jesus was progressing through his life and through his ministry, especially that three and a half years, that he was fulfilling scripture upon scripture upon scripture. And types and shadows were being fulfilled. All that was foreshadowed, sacrifices, feasts, festivals, were, were being fulfilled, all in this one person, Jesus. Now, the reason why there were so many feasts, so many sacrifices, because one of them on its own could not express the power and the extent, the dimensions of the one singular sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ for our sins. You know, sacrificed at the end of the age, once for all, for our sanctification. Never another sacrifice ever again. And that's why John said, Behold the Lamb that takes away the sin of the world. And so, you know, um, 
And so all the times and shadows, all the prophecies, all coming to pass, it's now coming the time. That's why Paul says in Galatians, in the fullness of time. If Jesus had done this a day earlier, he would have missed the time. If it was a day later, he would have missed the time. And that's why, you know, if people go back and look at the Hebrew calendars and they go and look back at the feasts and the festivals and they just see how everything tied up, everything synchronized, you know, right down to the finest detail. And it just shows how incredibly divine this whole thing is um, and the whole life of Jesus, the whole ministry of Jesus, because it was set you know, second perfect according to the watch and the timing of God. And so really, really powerful. And so maybe we can just read this together. We've read Psalm 8 and we see that God is mindful of man, that God is setting man and giving dominion over all the works of his hands. We're seeing that God says, you know, I created you a little lower than myself, um, uh, but, but my desire is to crown you with glory and with honor. And of course, we know that the whole thing about the fall affected man, we lost the glory, um, we, we didn't have it, and so Jesus came um, for us to receive glory. And, and so, you know, that which was lost in Adam was replaced in Christ, and then we who are in Christ are that seed of Abraham, that faith seed of Abraham, according to Galatians chapter 3, who are born again. So that's really powerful. So it's really interesting. Maybe you would like to follow with me. Um, and just um, have a look at it. What I did was um, in this week, I sat down and I, I read the accounts of the four Gospels concerning, you know, the entrance of Jesus into Jerusalem for Palm Sunday. And I kind of meshed the, the four Gospels together. And so what I would like you to do is just listen and just let the, let the word speak to you, let the word wash over you. But it starts with um, Luke's Gospel in order of chron chronology. It says this, as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, remember he was coming up for the triumphal entry, he wept over it and said, if you even you had only known on this day what would bring you peace. It's very interesting how one of the other um, um, passages of scripture talks about the fact that peace was taken off of the earth. And, and so when Jesus died, and for that period of three days when he was dead, the peace was taken from the earth because he is the Prince of Peace. And he says, but now it is hidden from your eyes because they were blinded. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you. This was prophesying the destruction of Jerusalem with its temple in AD 70 by the Romans. They will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another. And remember on an early occasion, he had said that about the temple as well. And he said, and I will rebuild it in three days. Because, listen to what he says, because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. This is the NIV that King James says, you did not recognize the day of your visitation. Now, I've just got to remind you, we just read Psalm 8, where he said, what is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you visit him. So God was coming to visit his people and they didn't recognize it. So this um, passage of scripture puts Psalm 8 into, into uh, perspective. And the two together makes the fact that prophecy is now fulfilled. And it's one of the things that God says in Isaiah. He says that if we find a scripture, we need to find its mate. And when we find its mate, prophecy is fulfilled. And so in the triumphal entry um, records, 
prophecy was being fulfilled, many prophecies, but in particular, Psalm 8. God was being mindful of man. He came to visit man because he was so mindful of him. His intention was to crown him with glory and honor and set him above all the works of his hands, to give him dominion and authority by restoring the glory that was lost. No wonder David says, oh God, the glory that you give, it's set above the heavens and that's how high and uh, the extent of which I would like you to be praised. And so, so this is what Jesus says, the son of man that thou visit him. Then it continues, as they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, amazing word of knowledge here, go to the village ahead of you and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. A donkey with its foal, a young colt, together, tied up. And then the, he's, um, Jesus said, if anyone says anything to you, say the Lord needs them and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was broken through the prophet Zechariah in chapter 9, verse 9. Prophesying decades before, he says, Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, and on a colt, the fault, the foal of a donkey. And so um, another scripture fulfilled when Jesus comes riding in on the donkey. It's really powerful. I heard Prophet Quirvis teach us once and it really blessed me when he said Jesus came riding in on the donkey, the, the, the adult donkey, the mother, and um, they put their cloaks over and he had his feet on the foal, the colt of the donkey. And so when Jesus was coming in uh, to Jerusalem, the city that he was now visiting over which he wept, um, he came in riding on the old, his feet on the new. Man, this is so powerful. It gives me goosebumps. In other words, he was prophesying through symbolism that he was coming in um, to Jerusalem, but he was ushering in the new and he was seeing out the old. And so we know Jesus is the end of the law, the fulfillment of the law. Jeremiah, Ezekiel both prophesied a time is coming and now is, he says, when um, I will make a new covenant with you. It won't be like the former, the old covenant. He said, my laws will be written in your hearts and on your minds. And no longer will you have to teach a neighbor, tell a neighbor, you know, know the Lord because you will all know the Lord. And so these laws, and, and uh, Paul says that we are now living epistles written um, by his own hand, by the spirit and not ink, not on hearts, not on stony hearts with tablets of stone, but on hearts of flesh. And so, you know, it was so powerful, Jesus coming, riding in on this donkey with his feet on the, col on the colt, on the foal, ushering in the new and seeing out the old. You know, so many scriptures are fulfilled. You just have to think of Isaiah 54, you know, sing and rejoice of barren. You know, more of the, ch are the children of you ha who is barren than of her has children. And so basically he was, he was talking about, you know, there's a new group of people coming, a new breed of people coming. And they're not going to be natural, earthy people represented by Ishmael. They're going to be the spiritual ones. Galatians chapter 4, represented by, um, by Isaac. And so, um, yeah, so really, really powerful. And um, so many scriptures are coming to pass. So he comes riding in on a donkey. Um, what was Jesus doing? He was overtly proclaiming publicly proclaiming, okay, now is the time. I am the king. I am your Messiah. I am the one about whom all the prophets and the law um, testified. Um, I am the prophet that Moses prophesied. 
that would be taken from amongst the people and you need to listen uh, to me. I am the, the son of God. I am the Messiah. And so he was coming in, um, but not like earthly kings, not on stallions and steeds, not dressed in royal robes with fanfare and uh, accompanying armies and chariots. No, he came in with his, his disciples. He came in with the people that lovingly adored him and children. And they all began to cry out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And so, so he was coming in as the king um, into Jerusalem, into the temple precincts as well. And so um, it carries on. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. I said earlier that um, you know some churches observe this every now and then. We do something similar in the past. We have done, uh, but in traditional churches, then these palm branches are kept and then the following year burnt on Ash Wednesday. And so the crowds went ahead of him and those that followed shouted. And the different gospels record different things that the people shouted and I've listed them. Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Now that reminds us of Psalm 8, setting his glory above the heavens. Blessed is he is the coming kingdom of blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Luke's gospel records they said peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Sounds very much what was said in Luke chapter 1 by the angels. Um, you know, peace on earth, glory to God in the highest heavens. Blessed is the king of Israel, says John in his gospel. Now, we pick up the story again. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? The crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Now, of course, the naysayers, <laughs> you know, the Pharisees were there. So some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to, said to Jesus, teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. You know, there's, there's so many verses that we can go there, um, you know, in, in the Bible about the fact that the whole of creation sings his praise. The whole of creation um, sings out to God, you know, day to day, pour, speech, pour forth speech, night by night. There's not a place in the whole of the world where their voice is not going out. The stars in the heavens. And, and so, you know, it's, it's that thing of Romans chapter 8, the creation in groaning in anticipation, awaiting the sons of God, the revealing, the manifesting of the sons of God. And so Jesus says, you know, if these people will uh, be silent, the stones themselves will cry. In other words, you're not going to stop the praise. It's either in the mouth of, of my human being created order or the physical creation will cry out, but you'll not stop the praise that is coming. So Mark records that um, the cleansing of the temple happened the next day on the Monday. The other gospel writers make it part of the sequence. And uh, the fact that when Jesus went in Jerusalem, he went and cleansed the temple in, uh, um, immediately. So either way, basically the cleansing of the temple in their minds, the entrance into Jerusalem, the triumphal entry, his announcement as coming king into the city is very much linked with his arrival and cleansing the temple as the priest, the high priest. And uh, so both are being fulfilled. And, and so Mark puts this in now. He says, and Jesus entered into Jerusalem. Sorry, he, he, he talks about it as the following day. 
Andy, when he entered in the temple and when he had looked around upon all things, and now the eventide was come, he went out unto Bethany with the twelve, which was just you know a couple of miles away. But Matthew's gospel records that he entered. So, so it seems like it was the next day on the Monday. So you can remember that tomorrow was the day that we um, Jesus cleared the temple in the week leading up um, to Easter. Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, another thing Jesus fulfilled, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. It's so amazing. The blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did and the children shouting in the temple courts, I mean, how blind. <laughs> they saw the wonderful things, but are still critical and resistant. Hosanna to the son of David. They were indignant. Man, I tell you, that's religion. Eh? Do you hear what these children are saying? They asked him. So Jesus replies, now he's directly quoting Psalm 8. Yes, Jesus replied. Have you never read? And of course, they had read it many times, but they were blinded to prophecy. From the lips of children and infants, you, Lord, have called forth your praise, or you've ordained strength. Now, Jesus omits the next verse, but in the minds of the Pharisees, they knew, you know, against your enemy and the avengers. So they knew what Jesus was saying. So he left them and went out of the city to Bethany, where he spent the night. Matthew records it. But John's gospel continues. It says, at first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had to be done by him to fulfill all things. That's why, remember a couple of weeks ago, for those of ACFI, I did two messages on fulfilled fulfilling all righteousness. When Jesus was baptized of John, he said, it's proper, it's right for us to do this now in order to fulfill all righteousness. So here again, Jesus was fulfilling all righteousness. Now the crowd was with him. The crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. And so, so that was just a groundswell in the background was the raising of Lazarus. You know, and isn't it amazing, you know, Jesus raised Lazarus and he was preparing, you know, for his own resurrection. You know, he had the power to lay down his life and take it up again. And so many people, because they'd heard that he had performed this sign, went out to meet him. So there was a mass of crowd, massive crowd. So the Pharisees said to one another, see, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole earth has gone after him. So the seeds had now been sown for the betrayal of Jesus and for his crucifixion, I mean, all through his ministry. But now, you know, it had reached its climax. But once again, the enemy was just walking right into the timetable of God that all that should be written should be fulfilled about Jesus. So he goes back out to Bethany and the next morning, according to Mark's gospel, he comes back into Jerusalem and that's when he cleanses the temple. Um, if you look at it in chronological order, in order of importance and significance, the other writers put it all together because his entrance into Jerusalem, cleansing the temple is of, of the same, you know, thought as far as they're concerned. But he comes walking in and, you know, I was chatting with this Bev, uh, about this with Bev yesterday. He comes walking back and he sees the fig tree um, that has been cursed or he curses it 
and, um, and from that moment immediately it dies from the root upwards. It's very interesting that all the way through the Bible you can see this association with the fig tree. And so what was Jesus doing? Was he being mean when he rebuked the fig tree? No. Again, once again, it was a prophetic action. It was a prophetic sign. And so, um, you know, in the middle of the garden was the tree. I'm getting carried away. I'm enjoying myself so much. In the middle of the garden was the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. After Adam and Eve had sinned, the Bible tells us they were naked, afraid, and ashamed, and they hid themselves. When God came looking for them, he found them, and they clothed themselves with fig leaves. Fig leaves. Why fig leaves? You see, the Bible, to, in order to, to interpret the Bible, you've got to be consistent and go all the way through the word. The reason why it was fig leaves, because it represents um, man-made righteousness, self-righteousness or self-justification. And so they were trying to cover themselves with their own efforts, their own actions. And I mean, that's where, you know, religion began, man-made religion, self-justification began right there in the Garden of Eden. That's why it symbolized dead religion, you know, our attempts to make ourselves righteous. And that's why, you know, uh, John says about Jesus, he's coming to cut down the tree and the axe is already laid to the root. What tree was he coming to cut down? Well, the same tree that he cursed, the fig tree, the fig tree that gave the promise of much fruit. But when he went to reach out and take it, there was no fruit, no figs on it. That's why Jesus said, you judge a tree by its fruit. A good tree cannot be good, uh, will only bear good fruit. It can't bear bad fruit. A bad tree cannot produce good fruit. It will only produce bad fruit. And so a tree is known by its fruit. That's why he told the parable of the story of Jesus going, you know, of, uh, he told the story of the, the owner of the garden and he goes and he tells the gardener to cut down the fig tree because it's not giving any fruit. And the gardener says, no, let's dig around. Let's give it a little bit of time. And, and then we will dig it down. This went on first year, second year, third year. And, and so basically what, what Jesus was showing was, you know, you, the Pharisees, the scribes, the, the, those in um, uh, self-righteousness, you, you've got three and a half years to produce fruit. That's why John preached, who warned you to, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee the coming wrath? Because they thought by going through baptism, they could get out of it instead of having hearts that were changed. And so Jesus said, you know, um, the tree will be cut down. So now when he comes to rebuke the fig tree and the fig tree dies and the fruit dries up on the way back into Jerusalem to cleanse it and to teach and to heal and to, um, um, you know, set things right. <clears throat> Basically what he was doing parabolically was prophesying by, through symbolism. He was prophesying. This is the end of self-made, man-made, dead religion because I'm coming. I will be crucified on the tree. The, the tree of life will be re-established and the way will be opened. Remember in the garden, um, <clears throat> two cherubim were, were we, we believe it's two cherubim were positioned um, and they protected the way to the tree of life with two flaming swords. And uh, that's why in Zechariah he says, and Jesus quoted in the night he was betrayed, awake, O sword, strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. And of course the shepherd that night was struck. But then afterward it said, come to peace, O sword. In other words, put the sword back um, in the in the sheath in another passage of scripture and I've got the passages if you want them and um, basically what he was saying is the sword can come to rest now because the the shepherd has been struck the price has been paid the shepherd who is the sheep who is the sacrifice has been sacrificed and now the way to the tree of life has been opened so the tree of life had to die on a tree to become the tree of life accessible to all of us. And now, Revelations 22, it gives its fruit 
in every season 12 kinds of fruit because it's the tree that is in the river that's on the pavement of gold, which is the way, the truth, and the life. So Jesus now comes and he says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Anyone can come who wants to come can come. You come to the Father through me. And so the way to the tree of life is open. So it's really powerful when you rebuke it. It's interesting, let me just throw this in. I know, I know you've heard me say it, is that um, when God gave the trees for Adam and Eve to, uh, to eat of in the garden, he said every tree that has fruit with its seed in it. And so, of course, when we come to Jesus and we eat of that fruit, we ingest the seed. And so we've been born again by the living, enduring word of God, the seed word of God. So we're born, not of the will of man, not by flesh, not by blood, but we're born again by the will of God. So that's why James tells us to humbly receive the implanted word, which is powerful to save us. Man, you're such a good audience. You're dragging this out of me. I'm enjoying myself. I'm saying things that I hadn't, I hadn't planned um, to preach and to share. And so he rebukes the fig tree, goes in, and basically he's saying, I'm coming to end dead religion. And from there he goes in and he cleans the temple out. So there's just a couple of things that I, I want to bring out to you. Because remember he had said, you know, and, and the disciples only understood that through his death, burial, and resurrection, you know, he was taking down the old temple, but he was establishing the new, which was his body, of which we are now members. And Paul tells us in Ephesians that he, he inhabits and he dwells this body by the, by the person and presence of the Holy Spirit. So remember these, I'm, I'm saying a lot of stuff here, and I've got to try and tie it together in the time that we will have available to us. Well, oh my goodness, I'm, I've been going for 30 minutes already. Okay, so a couple of things. Um, so he goes into the temple and he cleanses it. Now, what was Jesus saying in all of this? Basically, he was coming in to say, there's going to be a new city. There's going to be a new Jerusalem. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, John tells us that in um, Revelations 21, you know, he was taken away in the spirit and he saw a mountain. What mountain did he see? He saw Mount Zion. Um, um, Isaiah chapter 2 tells us that God will establish Zion, establish Zion as the chief amongst mountains and his law would go out of Zion. His word would go out of Zion. Not the physical Mount Zion in Jerusalem, but, but the new spiritual force that is called the people of God. We are the mountain now. We are the city on the hill. And the city is us and the hill is also us. <laughs> and, and so, you know, Ezekiel 32, is God said the time will come when the shepherd is revealed. And all around my mountain and on the mountain, I will cause showers, showers of blessing. Man, I'm enjoying this so much. And I trust that you are too. Thank you, Belinda, for your amen. And, uh, and, so, and so he was, a, 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 you know, ready to establish a new Jerusalem, a heavenly city. The city of God, the city that is an above city. You know, the Jerusalem, um, physical Jerusalem is still there. It's amazing how in early days, biblical days, they used to refer to Jerusalem as the kingdom of God, you know, or the kingdom of heaven. And then Jesus came saying, no, no, repent. This is not the kingdom of God. This is not the kingdom of heaven. It's not a physical city. It's made up of living stones. People like you and I. And not only are we tightly compacted and built together, you know, you know, Zion, beautiful, Jerusalem is beautiful for situation, the joy of the whole. There's so many scriptures in the Old Testament talking about us being the new Jerusalem, the heavenly city, which is from God. And uh, we see it in Hebrews chapter 12 as well. It's the city that we come to. But not only that, we're also the Mount, the Mount Zion. But not only that, 
when he came into the temple and he cleansed it, he was forever showing what he wanted us to look like, the temple of the Holy Spirit, as individuals and corporately built together as a habitation, a dwelling place for, for God himself by his spirit. And so he was coming to show and establish and set in place things that were to be part of the new city, the new Jerusalem, the heavenly Jerusalem. And so not only was he coming in as king, but he was coming in as high priest of a new order, with a new covenant, with a new priesthood. Changed the sacrifices, no longer the sacrifices of blood and goats and bulls, you know, blood of goats and bulls and heifers, but by his own precious blood, sacrificed once forever. And so everything was coming in the system of worship. And that's why the woman at the well of Samaria asked, you know, if you're the prophet, if you're the Messiah, because when Messiah comes, he will tell us these things. Where do we worship? On this mountain in Samaria or the mountain in Jerusalem? And he said, the time is coming where it won't be here, it won't be there. The worshipers, the Father seeks are those who worship in spirit and in truth. Because in actual fact, we are the mountain, we are the city, we are the temple. He's our king, he's our high priest, he's our prophet. Man, what a Jesus we serve. What a God. It's, it's so really powerful. And so, you know, when he came back into the temple, you know, Ezekiel promised, uh, prophesied that the glory would depart, that um, it would be Ichabod. Jerusalem would be Ichabod. The temple would be Ichabod. The Kabod, the glory of God, the glory of God had gone. But, you know, when Jesus came back, um, the temple is now Kabod. And so, uh, Peter tells us that we are receiving an eternal weight of glory that outweighs any sufferings that, that we may have. Jesus said, John 17, I've given them the glory. You know, when Jesus walked back into the temple and the glory came and, uh, and you know, after his death and resurrection included and us now being the temple, it fulfills what was prophesied in Haggai, the, 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 the glory of the latter temple shall exceed the, the glory of the former temple. Not only because he was there physically, but, but then later, even that temple was destroyed. Now we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for all the amens. Thank you for the glory. Thank you for the hallelujah. <laughs> thank you. You're giving me the fuel I need to preach this morning. Uh, thank you, Maureen. Owen. Oh, bless you. And so, and so everything changed. The principles of the kingdom changed. You know, his rulership now was not with domination and force. No, it's people who willingly and lovingly come under his loving um, rulership. And the, the servant king who gave his life as a sacrifice for us all. What, what a day we remember today, Palm Sunday. What, what powerful prophetic words have come to pass. What did Jesus accomplish for us? On this day, as we anticipate him going forward to his death, burial, and resurrection on Friday, looking through to, through to the Sunday. So everything was to change. The glory was to return. A new king would be set up in Zion. So I want to just go through a couple of P's for you. The first thing is that, that um, concerning this new city, there would be a new presence. In other words, the glory was to return. So the first P was the presence of God would come back to the people of God because they had lost the presence. They had lost the glory. And, and so, so that was it as we start heading towards a close because it's heading time. And so, so the first P with the new city, the new temple, would be a place of the presence of God. And, and that's borne testament to by the fact that the miracles were back, that praise was back, that prayer was back in the temple after Jesus had cleansed it. And so, but I'll, I'll come to those P's as well. But the glory would come back to the temple. 
it would now be kabod. And so Paul tells us, no, you're not, that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. So the glory is back. We receive the glory. Mariki, thank you for that. Amen. And so, so it was a place of presence. But not only that, it was a place of presidence or presiding. In other words, there was a new king in town who would be presiding over um, the, the city, pre presiding over, new priests would be presiding over the temple. So there was a presiding officer, a presiding king, a presiding priest. No longer was it dead religion. No longer was it the God of this world. Um, you know, the, the Pharisees, the scribes, no longer was it a foreign king like Herod or Pontius Pilate. No longer was it false high priests who were so wicked to the core. Um, it was now going to be the righteous son of God, the high priest in the order of Melchizedek presiding over the temple. The next thing was um, the, the temple and the city was back to its purpose, the joy of the whole earth. You know, a beacon, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. In other words, a light is not hidden. And so the city is a light. The city is a lighthouse. So, so Jesus said, you don't take a light, a candle and light it, and you put it under a bushel. And a bushel is an is a, a, a instrument of measurement. And so he's saying, this light cannot be prescribed to you by the instrument of the measurement of the law. No, no, no. You can't do that. So you remove the bushel is what he did. He took away the law. Now there's a light to sit on a candlestick. And so you are the light of the world. You are the city on the hill. And you are the salt of the earth. And so the purpose is back. The purpose for the kingdom of God is back. And of the increase of his government and peace, <laughs> there shall be no end hallelujah thank you franklin and so be a new presence a new uh, presiding person king priest there would be a, back to a new purpose again the original purpose of seeing the kingdom of god kingdom of heaven established and then back to purity so when jesus came cleansed the temple you know throughout over the money changes tables drove the oxen out released the doves um, and he set things in order because the temple of, of the Holy Ghost is not in communion with the temple of demons and with you know, Be Bezalel and Belial. And so we don't have communion with darkness. There's no fellowship between light and darkness. And so he reestablished purity. And so the place that he came, you know, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. And which was part of the manifesto of the kingdom on the mount of the attitudes where Jesus gave, you know, his manifesto of his kingdom and he was bringing back purity. And so for me, if I just think of this purity, um, you know, I, I was just meditating in this week about a verse for me that sums up the Easter weekend. I was made, and, and there's many verses and, and you might choose other verses, but for me it was um, 2 Corinthians 5.21. God made him who knew no sin. It was not in his nature, neither did he commit any sin. God made him who knew no sin to be made sin for us, or a sin offering. And he took our sins on himself, that we might, bless you Pastor Dave Roberts and Carol, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. So I want to just repeat that. 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be made sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Now for me, that, that verse sums up 
the whole Easter week here. It sums up the gospel. Our perfect, righteous Savior. I, I don't know if it was Spurgeon. I don't know if it was, um, I can't remember who it was. Um, but one of the great revivalists said that, you know, Jesus stood before God as we are, that we might stand before God as he is. Hello, Margie from Abu Dhabi. Bless you. And so we, we stand before God as Christ is. And John says this, in this world, we are now like him. In this world. So perfect love. We've become perfected in love. So we have no fear of judgment, which the law brings and sin and death brings. But we have been perfected in love. And perfect love, the love of God that we are perfected in, casts out all fear. For in this world, we are like him. Therefore, we have confidence on the day of judgment. Oh, my goodness. I'm preaching too long. So a new purpose. We get back to our purpose. We get back to the purity, you know, and we maintain ourselves pure. We perfect, you know, um, holiness out of, you know, conscientiousness of God, out of love, love for God. And so, of course, then it becomes a place of prayer. God said, Jesus said, my house shall be called a prayer for all nations. What an awesome time that we have. And, and I am so sorrowful and so sad for those who are ill and those who lost their lives during this pandemic, this virus. But one of the things that I think is so amazing is how even, um, we, I, I'm sure you've seen it as well, video clips of police officers standing and singing and praising God. And, and uh, I'm not aware of a time ever when, when um, the church prayed like it's praying now. You know, we're in lockdown. You know, very much like I, I said about Noah being in lockdown, Paul in prison. And, um, you know, under house arrest, he was in lockdown. And, and so, you know, the, that first Passover, the, 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 the Israelites had to be in their homes and locked down. And so they celebrated Passover. They celebrated um, Easter, you know. And so how amazing that we can celebrate Easter in lockdown. You know, you know I don't think it has a biblical significance, but we can make it significant by spending time fellowshipping with the Lord. And, and oh, my goodness. I mean, no time ever before have I seen people praying like they are praying now. I want to tell you, I want to prophesy that we're going to eat the good. We're going to live in the benefit positively of saints worldwide getting together as temples, pure temples of the Holy Spirit and getting back to um, our, our first call, our first purpose and to pray and, and to seek God's face. And so no time. Um, I, that I'm aware of has the world been praying like it is praying now. And even the un unbelievers, even those that are not saved, are calling out to God like never before. So praise God for that. Yes, amen. Thank you, Jesus. Marinda and Lisa, yes, amen. And so we get back to our first call, our first duty, prayer. We need to be people of prayer. Church, we need to be people of prayer. I, I said that, I don't know, for those of you of ACF, remember, I started the year off saying God spoke to me and said that that last towards the end of last year that we've got to get back our focus on praise and worship and prayer. And you remember I taught a series on praise, ending up with what is high praise. And then we started um, also on prayer, and I preached on the beginning of place of prayer is understanding that we are sons before God. And so so we got to get back to prayer. It's um I, I saw a post somebody sent me, and that was this, is that prayer is the breath of the new creation order. Prayer 
is the breath of the new creation order. So that's, so that's what prayer is to us. It's the breath of us as new creatures in Christ. Ah, Caesar, bless you. Awesome. So we get back to prayer. And then, of course, praise. Praise is so important. You know, send Judah first in the battle will be one. Send Simeon after him, which is thanksgiving. Man, it's powerful. So praise. We've got to get back to praise. Put your praise on, you know, and praise the Lord. Start to thank God. We don't thank him for, but we thank him in spite of. We thank, thank him in the situation. And, and so um, to get back to praise. And so these are things that happen spontaneously. When Jesus came in, the prophet, the healer, the king, the priest, when he came in, the presence, the power of God into the city, and everything just started to adjust. And everything started to come back into place. Priority came back and uh, to the things that need to have priority. So praise, 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 praise. The last thing that I want to mention, and you guys have been so great. Thank you for all the likes that I see coming up and for watching. Share this with, with others as well. We're remembering Palm Sunday. And then I'm going to quickly, thank you, Sean. Then I'm going to quickly outline the program of this next week. Um, because you might want to put reminders on your phone and just little descriptions. I was thinking of doing that. In fact, I am going to do that. I'm going to do that, put it on my phone. I'm going to remember, this happened this day, today, this happened. Tomorrow this happened, that I can be meditating on these things. And this is something that the traditional church was really good at. And I think that we as ACF need to get back to that and, and become and enter into the whole experience of the word and make it part of our lives. And so the last thing that transpired in the temple precincts and in the city was the power came back. Sick came to him, the blind, the lame. The disease, the lepers came and Jesus healed them. And the children were running around worshiping and, uh, you know, just, you know, praising God for all the wonderful things that had happened. So the power returned. Church, if we get back, you know, to all of the things, if we get back to understanding and, and seeking his presence, if we get back, Lindy, Vandalinda, bless you, we get back to the presence of God. Um, and, and realizing that there's someone, a new king presiding over the city, a new priest over the temple. We get back to the purpose of the kingdom. If we get back to purity, to prayer, to praise, we will see the power of God um, unleashed in this world, in and through our lives like never before. Come on, church. I believe that we're going to see it. Um, I was so touched. Um, somebody posted me a little video clip of uh, David Hogan. And he's in lockdown and he's turning into something so powerful of prayer and fasting. And I was so touched. I wept when he got emotional and when he began to weep, um, you know, just overwhelmed by scripture and by the presence of God. And, and obviously because he's in prayer and it so challenged and encouraged and inspired me. Let's get back to that place of purity, prayer, praise, and we'll see the power released again. So I just want to very quickly as we come to a close... I just want to very quickly just run through it. So today, Palm Sunday. Thank you, Maureen. Um, the, the Palm Sunday that we remember. So Jesus enters triumphantly into Jerusalem, spends the night in Bethany. So tomorrow, make a note of it, um, that he left Bethany, cursed the fig tree on the way into the city. He wept over Jerusalem and said, if only you would recognize the day of your visitation cleansed the temple for the second time in his ministry and later in that day he um, goes and has a look in the temple 
and then spends the night out in Bethany. Tuesday. On Tuesday, he leaves Bethany, heading back to the temple, finds the fig tree withered, and he teaches on faith, Mark 11. Goes into the temple, it surrounds its precincts, confounds the religious leaders with his teaching. And there was teaching after teaching after teaching. It was really powerful. Even, you know, they were asking him by what authority. And remember, he said, okay, first before I answer that, tell me, uh, John the Baptist, was his ministry from God or from men? Remember that? Very powerful. Then um, he, he pronounces woes upon his um, enemies. He pronounces woes upon the, 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 the religious leaders. Then he leaves the city and he goes out to Mount, Mount Olivet. And there's a whole discourse that takes place on Olivet on his way back to Bethany. And it was around about this time that Judas goes and bargains with the Sanhedrin um, to portray Jesus. Jesus spends the night in Bethany again. And then on Wednesday, not much record um, of anything really happening, but possibly Jesus was in prayer and uh, was preparing, maybe meditating on um, celebrating the Passover with the disciples on the Wednesday. Now, I know that others have studied and, and there's a slightly different timetable and maybe, may, maybe uh, move it a little bit early. Hello, Natalie. Thank you for watching. And Natalie Mankis, bless you down there in, uh, yeah, in that beautiful area of the country. Andre and Nadia now, Oatswear and bless you. Um, and so he, he, he goes um, and, and um, he's meditating and preparing um, for, for the institution of the Lord's Supper. That, that happens on the Wednesday. Thursday um, is when he sends Peter and John out to make preparations for the Passover meal. And then after sunset, eats the meal with the twelve and then washes the disciples' feet, including Judas's. And so you can look at that from basically from John 13, if you're following it in the Gospel of John and following that whole scripture there, that whole passage over there. And it's amazing. You know, everything, the Holy Spirit inspires absolutely everything because it was Thursday night and I want to, uh, you know, set a reminder on, on my phone for this coming Thursday that I can remember the institution of the Lord's Supper on the Thursday night before the Friday, the crucifixion of Jesus and all of those events. And then, and, and, um, and so Judas goes out and betrays Jesus um, and gets ready to betray Jesus with a kiss in the garden of Gethsemane. But the amazing thing is this, that they sang a hymn, I think is it between Psalm 113 and Psalm 118, uh, of some of the hymns that they would have sung at this Passover meal. And one is, you know, um, this is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad. And it's so powerful, um, you know, the, the, that psalm that Jesus um, sang at that meal. And of course, that's recorded in Psalm 118. And Psalm 118 is so powerful because it says, Open for me the gates of righteousness. This is the day. And it's the day that the stone was rejected and it became the chief cornerstone. Prophecy after prophecy after prophecy fulfilled. Okay, I'm running ahead of myself. So Thursday night, um, oh yes, I was saying, John's gospel records this. It says, um, Judas went out, greeting Celia and Pastor Maria Handy in Corsi. So Judas goes out, Judas goes out, and the Bible says, and it was night in the darkness. Isn't it amazing? It was dark. It was dark for Judas. So it was night. So the Thursday night goes to the Garden of Gethsemane and prays there in agony. Could you not watch with me one hour? He said to the disciples, um, the betrayal by Judas 
and then the arrest by the Sanhedrin. He's taken to the house of the high priest as the Sanhedrin is convened. And this is during that time that Peter betrays Jesus and the cock crows three times. I'm going to stop there. I've said a lot and, um, you know, I've covered a lot of ground and you guys have been great. It's 50 minutes, 55 minutes already. So um, we remember Palm Sunday. So for all of you who are watching and those who are late, later watch it because of your time zone difference, what a powerful day we remember when Jesus entered into Jerusalem riding on a donkey, feet on the foal, the colt, ushering out the new and ushering in, I mean ushering out the old and ushering in the new. And uh, so Hosanna to the King of David, you know, blessed be the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Let, you know, you know, let the heavens rejoice um, and, and give glory to God. And so all of those things come to pass today. So I want to just encourage you. Let's get back the presence. Let's get back the purpose, the priority of the kingdom. Let's get back to the consciousness of who our king is, of who our high priest is. Let's get back to praise and to prayer and see the power of God. Um, released. Thank you, Marianne and Lorraine. Um, and see the power of God released again. This is a great time to be alive. We're going to experience and see great revival. I saw some, some um, a post the other day, posted in about 1985 by David Wilkerson. And uh, he was that preacher that came in and saw the, the, the gangs one for Jesus in the city of New York. And in 1985, and I haven't verified this, um, but, but maybe somebody can verify, verify for me. But he prophesied in 1985 that a plague was coming to New York. And because of it, that the righteous and the unrighteous, both alike, would cry out. And that great revival would follow. And so I really believe because of the lockdown, because of all the prayer that is going, something supernatural, something powerful, something wonderful, a revival is going to take place. God is going to respond to all of our prayers. So... Happy Palm Sunday, everybody. The Lord bless you. Thank you, ACF, for your generous giving. I just saw again this morning, and some people contacted me in the week for the church's bank details and are putting in offerings, you know, in lieu of us being at church on Sunday and still sowing. Uh, just really, I bless you, and I want to honor you. So I just speak the peace of God over your life, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, this peace of God which cannot be quantified, cannot be qualified, cannot be constrained, cannot be removed. Um, the peace of God that stands as the umpire and rules out everything. So let the peace of God rule and reign in your heart. The peace of God that passes all understanding, that guards your heart and your soul and your mind. Let the peace of God guard you. Let the peace fortify you. David said um, that I would have truth in the inward part. You know, and, and the same thing with that peace. The peace is within. Jesus said, my peace I give you is not like the peace of the world, which is given and then taken, which is transient, which is um, um, subject to conditions. No, no, no. The peace of God, the very peace of God, the very peace that God has himself, God is completely at peace. And so the peace of God is what I bless you with. And I like what John Sheesby once said, it's the shalom of God. Dave Robertson and Carol often say, use that as a greeting and greet and say shalom. So the shalom of God, that there's nothing lost, nothing stolen, nothing missing, and nothing broken in your life. The very peace of God be upon you all. And then with it, the joy, the joy of the Lord, 
that gives you strength. The joy of the Lord, which also surpasses understanding. Um, so may God keep you, bless you, continue to provide for you. And um, we'll see you on the other side of this virus, back at ACF. Love you all, bless you. Thank you, Belinda. Bless you all. Trying to press the finish button.